0: You are listening to the East Point Church Sermon Podcast. We're a church that exists to glorify God as a gospel community that is growing in faith and reaching the world. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged and challenged by today's sermon. Good morning, East Point Church. How are you guys? Go ahead and open up your Bibles this holiday weekend. Uh, Happy soon to be Independence Day to you. Uh, fun fact, this is actually one of my top two favorite holidays. It's on some days, like on Tuesday, I'll probably even say it's my favorite just because I love it. But Christmas and Fourth of July are right there for me. Fun fact, that was for free. That was for free. Get to know your pastor day. okay? So uh, go ahead and open up your Bibles, please, to Proverbs. We are in the Proverbs. We just started this series last week, and uh, and we are going to be schooled this summer. Summer school is in session we are pupils. We have been invited to scoot up our chairs, to grab our pens, our notebooks, and to learn in God's school of wisdom. How many of you need wisdom this morning? That's right. How many of you guys did a little stretching because you knew that all of my questions of, who needs this? Who needs this? I think I'm going to blow a shoulder going to church this morning. We need wisdom. And so we're going to be in Proverbs chapter 1, uh, starting in verse 8. But I'm, I'm curious. Have you ever realized... How many warnings are in your life? Have you ever thought of our moments? How Warning, beware, danger, threat. I bet you haven't realized it because they're everywhere. It's subtle. On the way to church this morning, I saw a sign, beware of dog in my neighbor's yard. Okay, Warning, you might get your head bitten off by this animal. Warning, got in my car. I saw a yellow light. Warning, this intersection is about to be filled with oncoming traffic. Slow down. You may or may not have been pulled over by a cop who said, Warning, that speed will get you in trouble. It wasn't me. Warning, the floor is wet. Warning, this road curves dangerously. Warning, there are slow children at play. Warning, this bridge... Am I the only one who finds that sign offensive? Warning, this bridge will freeze. Warning! This is a choking hazard. Warning. These flashing lights may cause neurological damage. Why am I watching this? Warning, this drink is hot. Warning, this drink is cold. Warning. This web page isn't secure. Warning. Our life is filled with warning after warning. Beware, watch out. and it's vital. It's vital, right? These things keep us alive. These things keep us on the path of safety. So, as we enter into the school of wisdom, as we enter into God's instruction, as we sit under his tutelage, we are going to see this morning that warnings are just as vital when it comes to wisdom. A dozen of signals a day are communicating to us caution, take heed. Be vigilant. Careful now. And it's the same in the school of wisdom. If we are going to be educated in the ways that just work well in this world, friends, we're going to need some warnings, okay? We're going to need some warnings. And today, right, this is going to be similar. wisdom number one. We learned, hey, if you want wisdom, follow God, right? If you want wisdom, follow God. That was the first lesson, That was the foundation. You can't even move on and progress in this class until we have that foundation. If you want to find wisdom, follow God. And now for our second installment of wisdom, the second nugget of wise sayings is going to come in the form of a warning for the wise. Warning, and if you're wise, you'll listen. Are you guys ready? Let me read our entire passage, and then we'll go through and break it down. So here we go. Fingers out. Bible's open. Beginning in verse 8, it says this Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, Come with us, let us lie in wait for blood. Let us ambush the innocent without reason. Like Sheol, let us swallow them alive and whole, like those who go down to the pit. We shall find all precious goods. We shall fill our houses with plunder. Throw in your lot among us. We will have one purse. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Hold back your foot from their paths, for their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed blood. For in vain is a net spread in the sight of any bird. But these men lie in wait for their own blood. They set an ambush for their own lives. Such are the ways of everyone who is greedy for unjust gain. It takes away the life of its possessors. This is God's word for East Point Church this morning. This is the passage that God has chosen, that God has gifted us as he educates his people, as he sends out his disciples into the world. This is the warning that he gives us. So let's look at it again, all right? Beginning in the first couple of verses, it says this. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching, your head and pendants for your neck. Pause right there. We begin this wonderful proverb with a beautiful image, a memorable metaphor here. He gives us a visual. Solomon tells his son that he has been given wisdom, that he has received instruction from dad and teachings from mom, and that is like a graceful garland and pendants, because those who walk in wisdom are clothed in dignity. Those who walk in wisdom are clothed in dignity. He says the wisdom you have is like a graceful garland. I just pulled this out of my wardrobe this morning. How many of you guys have your, uh, it's like some people collect sneakers, some people collect ties, I collect graceful garlands. Anyone else? This is my 4th of July garland, you know. And so here's the cool thing about a garland, right? If somebody walked in with a garland, you would not be able to help but go, whoa, important person, right? Look at it. (laughs) It's some kind of person, but you might be feeling like this is an important person, right? A garland on someone's head, it distinguishes you. It is an indication of honor. This is a person who I don't even know what they did, but they have clearly been bestowed with dignity. This is a distinguished individual, worthy of respect, to be highly esteemed. Am I right? This is why we put, put your phones away, picture people. Come on, everybody, right? I said open up your Bibles, not a movement. I put on a garland, paparazzi, easy. This is why we put things on people's heads. right? Your graduation ceremony right? They wear something on their head. Champions, right? How many of you like the Olympics? Anybody trying to get to Paris next year for the Olympics, right? I might be gone for a month. I'm going to take a very deep prayer retreat uh, next summer, you know? But this distinguishes people as honorable, worthy of esteem and respect. A garland. He also uses the metaphor, he says, right? Like a beautiful necklace filled with jewels, You see somebody walk in with this pendant and it doesn't matter what you know of them previously. You just go, whoa, there is something about this person. The precious jewels hanging from their neck set them apart. This is clearly a person of note. This is a person who, who, uh, the the pendant is not only beautiful, but it makes the wearer beautiful. So Solomon says to his son, My son, you too have received a crown of garland. You too have been given something that when you put it on, it communicates to everyone around you that you are a person of honor and dignity. You have been given wisdom. You too have been gifted a beautiful pendant from your, for your neck, but it is something more precious than jewels. It is every pearl of wisdom that you have received. And as you put on that wisdom, it distinguishes you as honorable, and it makes your life beautiful. The wisdom that you receive is your honor, and it clothes you in dignity. Have you ever met a wise person is their life just not dignified? Is there not just something about them that communicates this is a person who is honorable? I can't help but respect them. They are distinguished. You've received that as well. It's wisdom. It's wisdom. And so this young man, he has received wisdom and notice where he gets it from. It came from his father's instruction. It came from his mother's teaching, here is another reminder that wisdom can be taught. Wisdom can be passed on. Wisdom is not just an intuition that some people have and some people don't. He goes, no, 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 you once were not wise and now you are wise. This reminds us, friend, we have to ask ourselves the question, are we on the receiving end of wisdom? Have we put ourselves in relationships and in situations so that we can be on the receiving end of good instruction? Are you on the receiving end of good teaching? Who do you have in your life? I know I'm talking to Western American Christians. I get it. All I need is me, myself, and I Independence Day. I celebrate my independence because I don't need anybody. It's not what the Proverbs say. Who in your life do you have that you can go to for wisdom. Who in your life do you have that when they speak into your life, that when they give you advice and counsel, their words weigh more than your own? You know what I'm talking about? Wisdom can be taught and passed on, so get on the receiving end of that, okay? And so this young man has. He's received wisdom through instruction. He's received wisdom as teaching. And so his father says to him, forsake it not. This is his charge. You've received something that distinguishes you, and so hear it. Pay attention. Lean in, and do not forsake wisdom. Do not discard the distinguished garlands. Don't abandon these jewels of wisdom. Do not neglect the instruction you have received. Now, when I read the Bible, I can't help but like interrogate the text. I'm always asking questions. Why would you have to tell somebody to not forsake it? Isn't that obvious? Why waste precious ink on telling something so obvious? Why do you have to be told, church, not to forsake wisdom? And here's what I realized. Ask any teenager in the room why this command is necessary. There's your homework. Talk to your teenager. Every teenager, if they're honest... They will help you understand why this is necessary. They will help you understand the subtext of these verses because they know that the culture is telling you dated. Teenagers know this, they live in this world. The culture is telling you that the wisdom you've received is dated. What's being passed down to you from your father and mother is too old school. Man, that worked in your parents' time, but come on, times have changed. I know you got wisdom, but dude, that's that's too old school. That doesn't work anymore. You now need to find new ways, your ways. You do you, (laughs) boo-boo. End quote. So the culture says, have you ever felt this sentiment? Teenagers and adults alike, have you ever felt this sentiment? Have you ever felt that radiating from the culture? Ah, I know that's what wisdom says, but really, is that, times have changed. And Solomon says, listen, I get it. I'm telling you this because I get it. You will be tempted to forsake wisdom. You will be tempted to move on. You will be tempted to just let those graceful garlands off to the side. But if you listen to me, if you hold on to these pearls of wisdom, if you don't neglect your garland, friend, I'm telling you, you will be honored and distinguished in your generation. If you don't forsake the wisdom... You will be distinguished and set apart as honorable in your generation. Yes, times have changed, but wisdom has no expiration date. Friends, times have changed. Look around. But wisdom has no expiration date. Therefore, forsake it not. Okay? Forsake it not. And so the sun is listening. We're listening. We're he- all right, all right, all right. What wisdom do you have for me today, Solomon? What nugget of wisdom can I add? What pearl of wisdom can I add to my pendant? What flower can I add to my garland? And so we see what he says to us here. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, let us lie in wait without reason. Like Sheol, let us swallow them alive and whole, like those who go down to the pit. We shall find all precious goods. We shall fill our houses with plunder. Throw in your lot among us. We will all have one purse. My son, beware of those who pursue money at the expense of morality. Beware, watch out, warning, beware of those who pursue money at the expense of morality. And so we're given this plan. We're given this warning of a group of people that he only refers to as sinners. He calls them sinners. You see, we learned last week that in God's law, he teaches us the difference between good and evil. He teaches us the difference between God's ways and not God's ways. Righteousness and sin. And what he's saying here is there there are a group of people whose actions can only describe them as not God's ways. All right? There is nothing about their ways that jive with God's ways. Sinners, he calls them. Even just the briefest glance at God's law shows us that this name is justified because they're not walking in God's ways. They are walking in pure evil. They have a plan. I don't know how they came up with this plan. I don't know if there was a brainstorm session. I'm not sure if they huddled up and and had a little whiteboard session to figure out a good plan. But they have a plan. And by putting the logic of their plan into words, we realize just how shameless this plan is. They say, let's ambush an innocent person. Let's go mug someone. Ruthlessly mug them. Let us outnumber them and overpower them. This is dark. This is not just some light-hearted prank. This is not just some jovial hazing, just a fraternity premeditated how this is going to end. They are lying in wait for blood. They're going to swallow this person up as completely and as permanently As the grave swallows a corpse, they're going to murder someone for money. They will overtake them and swallow them without any notice. And why are they doing this? What could possibly move human beings to such evil? What could possibly motivate a human being to premeditate and then execute a plan where we are going to end someone's life for no reason? Well, look at the text. Look what it says. It says that they have their mind on their money. They are planning to engage in evil. They are planning to engage in violence. Why? All for the promise of precious goods. Their motivation is the potential for plunder. 1 Timothy 6.10 says this, The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And it's the same here in Proverbs 1. This is their motivation, the prospect of money. Money's complicated, isn't it? Money can, cloud our, money can cloud our judgment on the best day. Can gum up the, the calculus of our logic. And that's what's happening here. Their desire for money has sent them running down a road of violence, of evil, of injustice. And there is a complete disregard for God's ways and morality. They're pursuing unjust gain. And so here's what Solomon is saying. Right? What What do they have to do with me, Dad? Why are we talking about those guys? I'm not doing that. I'm not, that's not my plan. I didn't wake up today wanting to murder. And Solomon says, "My son, my son, listen. I'm not just telling you that there are people like that who exist in this world. I'm warning you. They will try to entice you. This is the warning, friends." And if you talk to anybody in this room, anyone who's been around the block long enough and and enough times, they will tell you, such people don't only have their plan. They want your participation. These kinds of people are not content with having their plan. They want your participation. And so he says, my son, warning, they're going to try to entice you. They are going to actively compel and try to recruit you. They will try to convince you to join their cause. Look what they say. They say, come with us. Come with us. Think how many times the word us, 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 us. Join us. Look what they say. Throw in your lot among us. Hashtag one of us. Let's do this. They're not sitting back waiting for you to apply for the job. They're not sitting there going, hey, here's my plan. If you're ever interested, just call me, no pressure. They're going, pressure, pressure, come, entice you. Notice how good these people are, friends. Don't be naive. Warning, don't be naive. Look how they know how to press your buttons to manipulate you. Look what he says. We shall fill our houses. No person over here ever said, you know what, we might have some some modest games." Let's go murder someone. We might make a quick buck or two. They're going, no, man, you're going to get so much, so much gain that you're going to have to fill a U-Haul truck just to get all of your plunder. We're going to fill our houses. They're appealing to your desire for more. They know how to press your buttons. We're not going to find a few precious goods. We're going to find all precious goods, all of them. I mean, if you can imagine, it'll be there. They're trying to woo you. Join us. I think it's interesting. Not only are they appealing to your desire for more, this is where they get sneaky. And as a, as a relational extrovert, this, this presses my buttons. But look what he says here. We will all have one purse. Not only are they appealing to my desire for more, they're appealing to my desire for community. They're appealing to my desire for friends and camaraderie. They say, if you join us, not only will you get loaded, you'll be one of us. We'll be in this together. This job will give you the sense of camaraderie and belonging that you've always wanted. One of us, one purse, same team, family of murderers. It's enticing, friends. And we laugh, right? We laugh because we're from a safe distance and we're looking out the window at them going, ha ha, what a foolish appeal. When you're in the moment, it's anything but. When you're in the moment, it's enticing. When you're in the moment, being wooed and compelled to leave your morality at home and go out in pursuit of gain, it can be disorienting. Don't be naive, here, friends, about what exists in your chest. The little voice in your head starts to go, "You know what? That that does. I mean, it does kind of make sense. I mean that. I mean that would be lucrative. I mean, what's the worst that could happen? I mean, and we're together, and God wants us to be together, right?" And we just, enticing and so Solomon in his wisdom he comes to you and with a splash of cold water sobers you up and he goes my son don't consent you start to get wooed away leave your morals at home and just pursue get, and he goes Psh, don't do it don't do it it's a lie don't do it it's not what you think don't do it it will not end where you think it will end don't do it their appeals are hollow Say no. I know it sounds like proof, but wisdom is very clear. This is a really bad play. You're trying to find the ways that work well in this world. You're trying to find the paths that lead to life, and wisdom is sitting here going, My son, that ain't it. Well, why not? What, I mean, they, they do make a point. So, why is that? not the right way. And wisdom says, because it's a dead end. Look at the last few verses. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Hold back your foot from their paths, for their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed blood. For in vain is a net spread in the sight of any bird. But these men lie in wait for their own blood, they set an ambush for their own lives. Such are the ways of everyone who is greedy for unjust gain. It takes away the life of its possessors. Here's why we shouldn't follow them. To pursue unjust gain is to run towards self-destruction. To pursue unjust gain is to run towards self-destruction. Remember, we're all trying to find the ways that work, right? And if we're being honest, we go, man, there are a lot of options. I need wisdom. I need the ability to discern which way works well. And so Solomon comes here and he says, these people are charting a course for their lives, but those ways aren't it. Their ways will not take you where you think they will take you, regardless of their appeal. Do not walk with them. Regardless of their enticing, do not put your foot on that path. Hold back your foot, he says. Because their ways lead to self-destruction. I know this step looks appealing, but I want you to look up, son. I want you to consider the end, daughter. Play the movie forward and see how the this... fast track to ruin and self-destruction. He gives this hunting metaphor here. And I'm, any hunters in the room? Yeah, we hunt, right? I don't. No, I don't. I lied. I apologize. Please forgive me. I'm not a hunter. I'm not a hunter. I've seen hunting movies, I've seen funny YouTube videos of things hunters should not do. I'm not a hunter. All right. And so I'm going to refer to the experts here and allow them to clean up my mess. But here's what I would imagine I would imagine that setting a trap for a bird right in front of the bird is not a good idea. Hunters, am I close? Thank you. I got a lot of nods there. Awesome. Okay. I would imagine that if I wanted to trap a bird, that I would not say, excuse me, Mr. Bird, please sit right there. And I'm going to lay out my net. I'm going to lay out the bait. I'm going to show him what it is. I mean, do you get it? That would be futile. Somebody would come over to me in a more experienced hunter and say, my son, this ain't going to work the, th- the way you think it's going to work. My son, th- I-, I see your logic, but this is foolish. In the same way, Solomon is saying, that's exactly what those who pursue unjust gain are doing. He wants to say to them, this ain't going to work the way you think it's going to work. The only thing you're going to catch in your net, the only thing that you're going to destroy is yourself. You are lying in wait, not for their blood, for your own blood. You think that you're going to set an ambush for their life. You're actually setting the trap for your own life. They're lying in wait, right? They're they're pursuing plunder and treasure and possessions and precious goods, and they're lying in wait thinking that they're the predator. And in reality, they're the prey. They're spreading the net. And they don't realize that every time they do it, the noose is getting tighter around their own neck. They're setting a trap, creating the very trap that will catch them. Because unjust gain is a trap gain. Unjust gain is a trap. It promises riches, but it's a lie. It will end in ruin. He says to pursue unjust gain will destroy you. And I imagine that it would destroy you on a few different levels, right? Like on one level, it will destroy your humanity. Like what these people are doing here, there's no way they're going to go to bed the next day, wake up and go, hey, it's a great day. They're, they're causing violence to their souls. They're destroying their souls. They're destroying, on another level, the prospect of just living as a regular citizen in that world, right? They are criminals, They will always be on the run, right? They are always under the threat of facing the penalty of the law. But then even more on another level, they're destroying their lives because they are on the fast track for a date with justice, with the creator of the universe. They will stand before their maker one day and give an account for their plan. And because they haven't followed the film forward, because they haven't played the movie, They've destroyed themselves. East Point Church, over the course of your life, you will face opportunities to press pause on your conscience. You will have opportunities to compromise your convictions. You will have the opportunity to pursue money at the expense of your morality. But wisdom calls you this morning, and he says, I've been around the block a lot since the creation of the world. I've been around the block. I am God's wisdom, and I'll tell you this, this never ends well. You can figure it out on your own. My wisdom is dated and out of touch. You do you, but I'm just telling you, I've seen this before, and the ending is always the same. Such are the ways of everyone who is greedy for unjust gain. It takes away the life of its possessors. If you're running after unjust gain, thinking that you will finally get the life you want, warning, this will end your life. Warning, it's an ambush for your soul. To pursue unjust gain is to run towards self destruction. And so, therefore, my son, therefore, my daughter, here is my nugget of wisdom for you today, he says. Don't walk with those who run after evil. Don't walk with those who run after evil, for their ways will end in ruin. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Amen? Amen. So we hear this warning, right? And and this is how it went for me this week, you know. I'm reading this passage, and I'm, and I'm staring out the window at these sinners. And I'm staring out the window at these sinners, and I just can't help. It, there was almost a little bit of like, oh, the audacity, right? And, and at first, I struggled to even apply this because I was like, well, there's probably a, a, a small likelihood that anybody in this room woke up this morning intending to murder someone, right? Small possibility. You always have to leave the possibility open. I get it. But as I looked at this, I was like, man, this is, this is evil. Man, th- these are just far-fetched. And I'm looking out the window at these sinners, and I'm growing more and more upset at their action and more and more upset at their logic. And the more I get into their psychology, the way that they appeal to different things, I'm going, ew. And there came a moment this week where I realized I wasn't looking out a window. I was looking in the mirror. And the evil and the sin, and the myself, and the, the evil that is in full bloom in Proverbs 1 here, I know my heart. And I may not have any blooms, but I certainly have at least the seeds. I've never murdered anyone, but have I ever taken advantage of someone? I've never murdered anyone, but have I allowed potential gains to outweigh the morality of a situation? Has my desire for more money ever clouded my judgment? Has anyone in this room ever tried to recruit allies to a cause that they knew wasn't right, but they had more confidence that there were more people doing it? Have you ever felt temptation to twist the truth and compromise your values for some precious goods? Friends, our sin may be different than these men. But if we're honest with ourselves, all of us can appropriately be labeled as sinners. None of us are above this. There's the first step of wisdom. None of us are above this. None of us are beyond sin. None of us are immune to the allure and the wooing of evil. None of us. And so Solomon says, Hey, everyone don't walk with those who run after evil. And we're like, yeah, don't walk with those who run after evil. Yeah. And then Jesus says, oh, and for all of you who have already stepped on that path, for all of you who have already taken steps down the way of evil, for all of you who have already joined the number and cast in your purse among, for all of you who have already stepped toward evil, good news, I've come to save you. Good news, your road that ends in self-destruction doesn't need to end in self-destruction. Because even though these men are shedding innocent blood, Jesus shed his own blood so that evil men may live. Even though these men are seeking to ambush an innocent person, Jesus comes and willingly lays down his life on a cross. Their way ruin ruined on himself so that sinners may live. So that all of us who have ever stepped down the path of evil and wickedness can have a new start. And so don't walk with those who run after evil. And if you're anything like me and you know that that warning is maybe 32 years late. That you wish you would have heard this yesterday. You know, like, if you're anything like me and this warning convicts you, good news. Jesus came to save you. Good news, you don't need to experience the consequences of your sin. Come to Jesus. And as we stand before him, amazed at his grace, in sheer awe of his mercy on us, he invites us to follow him. He says to his forgiven children, follow me and I will show you the wise ways. And he calls us full of grace and forgiveness. He calls us to learn from him the ways that work. And as we follow him, he says, hey, children, don't walk with those who run after evil. Follow me instead. Lord, we love you for your word. Thank you for the warnings that you give us by your spirit. Would you give us the grace and strength to pursue you and not unjust gain? Father, would you sober us up? uh, Make us Honest as we see the seeds of evil in our own hearts and instruct us, God. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you that though we all have been evil men and women, that though we all have committed sin against our creator, you've loved us anyway and you've saved us from self-destruction. And so, Lord, help us as forgiven children, as grace-filled beings, to follow you on the ways that are wise, to follow you in the paths of righteousness and justice, justice and goodness. We love you, Lord. And the church said, amen. We want to thank you again for joining us for this week's sermon podcast. My name is Daniel, and I'm the music and creative pastor here at East Point Church. And if you were challenged, encouraged, or impacted in any way by this week's sermon, we would love to hear about it. It's your stories that encourage us and what we do, and we just want to celebrate what God is doing in your life. So you can go ahead and share with us at podcast at epeaston.com. Also, make sure that you subscribe to our channel to stay up to date with the latest sermons. Have a great week.